I need to make sure I'm not clicking my pen every two seconds because I have the habit to do this on podcasts and I don't trust me very well. I'll put <laughs> yeah, it down. Throw it away. Deep breaths. We're good. So, we're, obviously, this podcast is a bit different. It's not an athlete. And I feel like you still you don't do podcasts at the minute, do you? You haven't in the past, though. No. I've done like three. And then I realized not the best at podcasts. So, I might stick with YouTube and just the videos that I do. Um, but I want to do them again. I just, I don't know. It, it didn't really uh, start and continue. I just stopped. You know, I talked with Nico Young, Cole Sprout, uh, interviewed Nick Simmons. I mean, they were all good interviews. I just found YouTube more fun at the time. I think I think a big part of it as well is if, like you said, the keywords are interview. If you're interviewing someone, it's completely different time in a conversation with someone. And the difference between like how a podcast sounds and how you're asking the questions. Like, I know I've had some guests on the podcast where it's very much you are interviewing them and you're getting answers to what that there's no oh conversation. Gosh. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. Not that's kind of my fault. So I I should have gone in like, okay, whatever I ask, you can talk about each topic for 10 minutes if you want to. You know, with Nico, it was kind of like, what's how's this feeling? He's like, you know, it's pretty good. I'm like, are you excited about this? He's like, yeah, you know, hey, we talked a little bit, but the depth that helps within a podcast you really want people to just tell their entire story so that's kind of on me but if i ever go back into it i will i might preface it with this is a podcast it's a conversation let's talk as much detail as you want to give so yeah that that was kind of my bad in the past too oh my gosh i think my voice sounds like hoarse because it's it's morning here and i mean it's not that early but i've been sleeping because my newborn baby keeps me up at night so i'm like I'm tired, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a newborn baby, like it's the whole thing. I can't even speak either. Newborn baby is a completely different challenge. Like that's the one thing put me off, hopefully far, far in the future anyway, because I'm 22. But that's the one thing like, I don't have kids if I'm still running because no way I want to get up in the middle of the night, every night to like, oh, it's a nightmare. It's, 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 yeah. From the outside, I understand because I'm only two months in, but once it happens, I mean, it's your baby and you would do anything for that baby. And it's, it's not as nightmarish as people think. Um, and I mean, yeah, it disrupts. I don't want to say disrupts. It is a beautiful interference with a lot that's going on in your life. So a lot of times I'll be trying to like write or record or <clears throat> edit anything like that. And you got to pick up your baby and make sure he's okay. But I mean, I'm still, uh, I'm still able to be productive, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that if you were to have uh, a newborn child, you would be like, yeah, there's no question. I'm my time is a lot more, uh, there's not as much of it. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. It really is. How many times have you had to like stop recording? Cause you can just say crying in the background. Cause as we're probably going to tell in about 10 seconds time, I might have to keep on clicking mute every time someone else, like every time you're talking, because my sister's about to arrive home and she is still acts like a little baby. So she just screams all the time. So I can imagine it's the same with you, like quite challenging for trying to record whilst it would be, but luckily my wife is amazing. And so whenever I do record, we kind of set a rule. It's like, all right, I'm going to be recording next 10, 15, 20 minutes. You know, she'll take the baby and give me some space like that I can actually record without having to stop. Because I mean, once you record, you're kind of in the zone, you know, and you want to like get that proper inflection. You want to get the proper storyline, get the pacing, all the right pieces. Um, so if it weren't for her and her thoughtfulness, it probably would have happened. But I can't, I don't think it's happened once, maybe once, but I just click stop and come back. So it's not really a disruption in that sense. Really, once the editing starts, um, 
sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll stop, but it's not, not too bad. It helps to have a really helpful partner for sure. So I'm pretty lucky in that regard. I'm going to be drinking coffee. So if you hear sips, my apologies. That's absolutely fine. I need to have a coffee, but for some reason, whenever I, before a race, I've got a race on Sunday, I try to drink less coffee. So then it seems to have more of like a psychological impact when I actually don't get on race day. Um, I feel like I didn't give you an introduction. If people who are listening don't recognize your voice by now or can't read the title for whatever reason, do you want to introduce yourself, sort of give a bit of a background for someone who maybe some reason doesn't know who you are? Yeah, sure, sure. So my name is Andrew. Um, some of you might know me better as Total Running Productions or TRP, a bunch of different acronyms I've, I've had thrown my way, but uh, mostly you can find me on YouTube, um, Instagram as well, but I just don't use that as much, but Basically, we make anything running-related content. We try to branch out when it comes to just athletics. So we'll do track and field. Pretty much every event that exists in athletics, we'll, we'll cover. And we try to create you know, unique storylines and videos to, to galvanize people to get excited about the sport and help it grow. And, and good Lord, man, this past year was just unbelievable. Our first two years of, of our YouTube channel were like, Maybe we hit 100K subs. I don't think we did after even the first two years. But this past year, I think we, I should look at my analytics, but I think we might have grossed over 200 subs this year alone. I mean, the Olympics obviously helped. There's a lot of news coverage pushing it. But I think as far as like a single YouTube channel entity goes, we were really fortunate to be in our position. Um, and we did bust our ass. Like me and my wife really put in a lot of work and a lot of hours to it. So um, we've been excited to have people interacting with us. We're excited to make videos for whoever's listening that's interested and we want it to be an interaction effect like we want to be more involved which is an incentive for me to get involved in, in instagram but that's sort of an outline of the of the, the situation but i will say my, my heart lives uh deeper in the distance running world i come from a distance background but i appreciate all all events i think also for you it's hard to shy away from like we see the views obviously it's the, the biggest in the sport by quite some way i I'd say Nick Simmons is sort of on the cusp, but also his videos aren't really generically covering the same things you're covering. Yeah, you actually, yeah. And it, it's yeah, he's interesting. Done, he's done great. Oh, he's killing it. He, he's hit that market was like Mr. Beast type videos where it's like, I'll yeah, pay you. I, 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 I like that. That's cool. And for you, it's like, like you said, you're generally distance running, but also there's aspects of like, it's undeniable how many views when you do a sprint video, they, they get so many views or like, fastest i think it, i can't remember the title it was like the fastest human ever like recorded in history and like went through every single sport and i like that because it's obviously usain bolt but it's also good to compare it to different sports and i think that gives a lot of people who are watching it who maybe aren't like like your videos get so many views a lot of people won't be fans of the sport and if they see the context of how fast usain bolt is in comparison it sort of really sort of draws them in of it and makes you see how good these people actually are. And I think that's a great value to like your channel as a whole. We've tried to do the branching out thing, uh, comparing sort of contrasting sports. And I mean, again, like being an athletics channel, I know that Bolt's like just leagues ahead of these guys. Like, I mean, DJ Metcalf running the 100 meter dash was great. And I think most people understood he wasn't going to, you know, get Bolt quality numbers. He still ran great, but um you mentioned branching branching out. We've seen so much incredible success from just a small tweak in the in the algorithm perspective of like the fastest humans and fastest athletes in each sport. 
uh, we took that and sort of tweaked it and did like the the highest jumpers, which ended up being another great video. It's been such a like seriously, it's been such a wild year that I've lost track of a lot of stuff at this point. Looking at analytics becomes almost like an obsession. You're like, oh, things are great, and then you you realize like you know you still need to create content. You can't just be sitting there looking at your numbers. But you know the goal in the beginning of this was to grow the sport. Um, I hope we've achieved that, and now we're kind of trying to look into just novel ways to keep growing. And I think a lot of that is going to be getting everyone involved. So we, I'm going to kind of branch off slightly here. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a lot of coffee, so my brain's going, but we recently had a, a crew out at the um, Garmin running lane national championships, the high school race in Huntsville, Alabama. Luckily we live like three and a half hours, four hours from there. So we went there, got our own footage, uh, gave out some merch and, um, we actually had someone reach out saying, Hey, I'm going to be there. You want some footage? I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, and the video did great. It's got over a hundred thousand views. Uh, it was a really unique, uh, high school moment with the young brothers and Colin Salmon going just like historically fast. Um, so not just making content that includes other sports, but I think getting people all over the country and the world involved in like filming, uh, you know, appreciating the sport and ultimately like creating videos together um, is something that I'm really interested in. We actually received footage from like a few people during the 159 challenge in Vienna, Austria. I didn't even ask anyone. I was like, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Like they sent me, you know, HD 4k footage through email. And while it took a little longer to, to process and download on my uh, basic editing platform, stuff like that, I think is sort of the future of the sport. And there's no freaking paywall, which we will get into. But that's, I, I get excited when I think about how the entire world literally can be involved in the running world and making content and it can benefit everyone. Yeah. That was, that was are, exciting. <laughs> we are going to get a lot into this paywall because I feel, feel like we both feel passionate about it. So I want to try to hold it off a bit longer. But something you said <laughs> yeah. there was how you've got people from to send you the content of the, the Ineos race. And the thing I love about basketball is you can go on YouTube and if you want to watch the highlights of anything, NBA allow literally anyone to post highlights and yeah. it's not it's not hindering them in any way shape or form like the, the the thing I don't get about this the the copyright and everything like that is I'm going to try and keep it very general at the minute before we get into specifics but like the basketball if they want to watch it live they pay to watch it live after it's been live they're not going to earn any money from or they're doing like ad revenue if they re-upload it to their YouTube channel, which they still do. But then the amount more money they're going to earn from the fact that if 100 different channels post highlights of this match and that gets millions of views, how many more fans of the sport are you going to get that way who are then going to pay to watch the next race or the next basketball? So this is the thing I, the love, I love about basketball is the content so freely available. Instagram, YouTube, I think most photos you can freely use, like there's obviously NBA photographers. Most of the time you can use their photos as well. There's like a really good, I guess, right steal in place there. And I feel like I look at that sport and get so jealous about what you can do with the footage over there. Yeah. Yeah, that's How's great. You... It's so obvious. It hmm. really is. But we're in a place, I think, where, well, I want to know your thoughts. Why do you think we're not like this at the minute? You know, I don't know exactly. Uh, I think people in the big sports like soccer, 
or for the international viewers, excuse me, my American uh, jargon, soccer or football, soccer, football, same sport, excuse me, baseball, basketball, um, and American football, they're so profitable, millions, billions and billions of dollars. I think that people have just come around to understanding that you can make a lot of money by either giving out your rights or you know, sharing that ability to continue to grow the sport and people's involvement is ultimately going to be the biggest economic impact. I think track and field and athletics in general, and I mean, I have no proof of this, but from my just exposure to the sport, I just don't think people are aware of how online copyright issues work. And I think for the people that do, they take it to the way too far to the extreme which is to say that they immediately will send you a strike if you use an inch, like a millimeter, millisecond of their footage. And, and that's really sad um, because that's basically saying, yeah, we, we understand that these top creators that are using our footage are going to help the sport objectively in almost every single way. And there's people that appreciate them, keep them coming back to the sport. We don't want them to be a part of helping the sport. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why. It's, it's so stuck in the archaic ages of, of um, this is mine, you can't use it. We learned how to share in kindergarten. But um, I'm hopeful for the future because, for example, I'm not going to name names here. We went to Garmin Running Lane and got our own private footage. Just We're sitting on the sidelines, and our video has over 100,000 views. That's more views than the actual rights owner to that footage has by 30, 40,000 views. And I'm not trying to brag here. I'm just saying people understand that on my channel, they're going to get footage without a, or they're going to get races without a paywall. And I think they appreciate that. And while, I mean, my channel's not perfect, I'm trying to balance that, you know, uh, that thumbnail versus title versus, versus curiosity gap uh, with every single video that I upload. Um, I'm proud to have worked hard enough to understand what, what footage I can use, where I can get it, how I can get it, who's cool with it, what deals we can break, uh, and where I can't get it, because that might be the most important part. If you can't get it, you, you can work for it. So that's what we went there for. Um, and it's paying off. Um, the channel has done so freaking well. Uh, like, I, it sounds like I'm like full of myself, but I'm, I'm literally in shock all the time because we've you know, I mean, I used to work full-time job all like, you know, 7 a.m., 7.30 to 4, um, but I've always loved running. That's where my my heart lies, and I want to help continue to grow the sport, and I'm interested in your take on it, too. Why do you think it is exactly that running so stuck in uh, not understanding how to share, essentially? I think um, it doesn't help. I, I'm comfortable with naming names, so I might name names in a second, but I don't, I don't think it helps that there's a few monopolies in the sport. Uh like realistically, there's, I'll just name Flow Track and Runner Space in the US are literally probably the only two in the whole country, in the whole world who are like Joe, big companies who have the, um, like who show the races. Like there's a company in the UK called Vinco, um, and they obviously film the UK races, but they sell their rights to Runner Space in the US because obviously, then UK rights, you're not really going to make much money out of them, and there's not going to be many viewerships there. So, in that sense, I feel like there's very few companies out there, so there's not really any competition. And with that, with obviously how you get support on YouTube and Instagram, like if, if someone copyrights your video on YouTube, it's really hard to actually contest the copyright strike like well. It's, it's hard to communicate. And I think that's probably another barrier, whereas in other sports where 
let's say basketball, for example, there's a lot more legislation there because it's a lot more popular at the minute. And because of that, yeah. people know exactly where the line is, exactly where the rules are. And they know mm-hmm. if this goes over it, they, it's very clear what the difference is. Whereas in our sport, there's a monopoly and they can basically do whatever they want. And at the minute, that's just striking whatever they want, um, mm-hmm. whenever they want, pretty much. Sometimes it's not even theirs. I've had that before. Um Wow, really? That's yeah, dumb. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to speak about specific experiences in a second. But that's why I think, really, I think, again, it's still a growing sport. Maybe a lot of people in the sport who run it are, instead of business people, they are runners, um, who a lot of them kind of get the job based on the fact that they were runners, rather than based off the fact that they know how to structure a running business. I think yeah. that's probably an aspect as well. Um, I'm hoping it changes. But yeah, that's that's really my thoughts of why it happens. I guess. Dude, you need to get in touch with Co. Man, I know you. I know you've met with him and talked about stuff, but I don't know how much power he could have over individual company rights. But I mean, the president of World Athletics would have to have something like to say and influence because he's the president of World Athletics. And World that would Athletics be a very seems, unique matter. Yeah, World mm-hmm. Athletics seem to have the rights for everything as well. Like on their YouTube and on Instagram, they can they seem to be able to post whatever they want freely. So yeah. I believe they have rights to any. Um, Diamond League event, any World Athletics event, any Olympic event. I'm not sure if they have rights to any private events or not. I'd probably not. Like, say, if Sound Running put on an event or something behind a paint wall, I'm guessing World Athletics wouldn't be able to use that. But I don't I know. Uh, they seem to actually. So I've, I've talked with their a few of their their guys, and and they they seem to have a good head on their shoulders. I'll say that we were talking about like how to make um, running reach, reach or running reach a wider audience. Uh, before the Olympics, um, and it was extremely educational to hear from you know the the chief information officer. He was talking about how um, he likes my channel and he wants to help the channel grow with like individual creators, which is exactly what needs to be done in any sport or in any industry really to get that you know unique perspective. All all people have different views, and some are better in certain situations than others. And I think that sort of that individual attention plays a, a role in how they view footage because I've used a lot of world athletics footage uh, and, and I've never received anything other than a demonetization a few times. Um, so, and I, I mean, I don't use hardly any, I use pretty short clips, but I've never really had any issue with them, which is great because I think they want the sport to grow. You know, I literally, they were asking, what, what do you think your favorite video is? And I sent it to them. And it had some of their footage in it. And they're like, oh, this is a great video. I'm like, why can't everything be like this? You know, like it's just so simple and, and they appreciate quality context. I mean, there are also laws. We could talk about that too. Fair use, transformation, all that stuff that I try to incorporate in all the videos, like make it very complicated, but also, you know, entertaining as to meet the laws and fair use requirements so that you can legally use it. I think that I reach that with pretty much every video, but I, don't know because i've never gone to court over it to say hey judge what do you think you know yeah i think you i'm guessing the overlays you use where sometimes it changes to the camera and it's like almost like there's an extra effect on it is that part of the way of sort of doing it a bit and adding text adding cutting it in certain lengths and stuff like that is that Uh, sort of how you get around it or fit the rules sometimes yeah yeah a lot of times i just do it because it fits the the way the narrative is going or the way the music is going or it's like you know uh hitting the rhythm uh maybe 
I, I feel like regardless, if they wanted to, to strike it, they or if they wanted to demonetize it or strike it, they would. Um, uh, then again, if they have like automatic uh, demonetization copyright claim systems in their you know processing, which I'm not sure how they set that up, maybe it would be easier to identify if it was an entire race video versus a 10 second clip. Um, but I mean, I, I just, I transform in a lot of different ways. So it probably plays a role, but I, I can't say for sure. I um I have had two issues, and the first one was a copyright strike from the. Uh, did you do a video on this as well? The Leuven World Indoor Tour, Elliot Giles ran one forty three, Jakob ran three thirty two, and battered everyone. Mm -hmm. That video, I got. I, yeah, I covered. Yeah, I covered Gudaf Segay from Ethiopia and Ingebrigtsen, oh, yeah. and uh, was that where Grant Holloway broke the sixty meter world record? I think it was sixty Might meter be. hurdles world record. It was basically it was like on the, the biggest indoor race of the year, but yeah, like, it was it was great. Yeah, I got striked for that video uh, from FlowTrack because obviously it was a Will Flex event, but they I believe they had the rights in USA. So yeah, I think that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You're right. And instead of a claim, that was a complete strike. So that was like you know, <laughs> yeah, everything views monetization just dropped massively. Massive. I wonder if that's that plays a role if you get like a strike or two, if that plays a role in the way that YouTube recommends your channel. Because I had the opposite effect. I remember you talking about this with, you know, one of your lads, uh, you know, how you saw negative negative uh, repercussions. And somehow I, I uploaded a few vids that just took off. You know, I, I don't know if that actually is more of a product of the, the individual creator not uploading as much or if it's actually youtube saying oh they got a strike you need to slow them down or something i don't know how that works it must be uh nothing because i was lucky enough to be in like a good position with my uh i think it was a jonathan edwards triple jump video at the time that just i mean took off it was a, such a good video but that was a weird time yeah i, I remember thinking what like I've covered, I know who's who's hosting this. I've talked to the people who are hosting this. We talked about the footage, we talked about the race, and then yet, you know, something random happened that was out of my control. And so I had to like, you know, deal with the strike at the time. But it wasn't a big issue. Now I I, I understand how things work. And um, yeah, it was, it was frustrating, no question. But moving forward. <laughs> yeah, so obviously you produce content what was it? You, you pretty much daily to an extent, or bi daily most of the time. Sometimes it depends on what's going on, where I'm at, how much time I want to invest in it, whether or not I have a baby. <laughs> I can imagine that makes quite a big effect. But yeah, like when I was doing it, and obviously when I got that strike, uh, I don't want to like mellow on the strike for ages, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. it took me it took me six days before I actually got that strike. Like six days. So imagine if I made three videos in between that, and then they all got striked. That's free strikes and my channel's gone. That's what scared me the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, like the delayed strike. Like if they've got the software, what the text is, surely that can happen instantly. Oh, I would imagine. So that's I don't, scared I don't know. me. Um, it's a, uh, I, and also I'm, I'm curious whether or not it's an objective three strikes you're out. I don't know if this is exactly the same as baseball because, I mean, it says your channel is subject to termination, but I don't know if that's the reality. You get three strikes and your channel is gone. I wonder if there's like, again, I've never had to deal with the full three strike issue, thankfully, and I don't plan to, but I don't know. I wonder. I've never really known someone to deal with it. I don't know what the process is. I am familiar with how to counter strike strikes on your channel, but 
thankfully have never had to go to the full extent with that because it, I don't know, it actually seems a little easier than a lot of people might imagine it. It's just a little daunting because you actually do have to basically submit a lawsuit, you know, that's a, that's a far, far different perspective than, than what we're talking about though. So don't plan on dealing with that. Yeah. I think when people might look at you like a YouTube and like say, oh, they're just uploading YouTube videos of running. They don't realize the, the things that go behind the scenes in terms of, like you said, laws and also monetization of those videos and optimizing those videos. So I do want to get a bit into the, how do you like, cause obviously your videos, I would say they're very, very, very well constructed from start to finish. Like they seem to fit perfectly with one, how I want to watch a video. Like it flows very, very, very well all the way through. Excellent. It's my goal. <laughs> also, I know the YouTube algorithm quite well. They seem to perfectly suit the YouTube algorithm as well. So when you're yeah. making a video, how does it sort of go like researching or do you sort of get the research first or do you get the video idea first and like, okay, so I want to do it like this. I now need to find things to back this up so I can use that. Like how do you sort of look at a video and make it? You kind of described it uh, to some extent, but a lot of times, like it just, they're all different, honestly. They're all, uh, if there's, you know, a race that's happening, I just try to cover it quickly and provide some context and, you know, add some cool graphics and sounds and maybe some some charts, all-time lists, stuff like that. Um, those are easy. Um, I would say there's a few tiers to it. Those are the easiest and the funnest because they're, they don't take super long. Um, the big, big, big videos that I try to do, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes that might include like, like the Jan Jelesny Javelin video that I did was so successful. Um, I've been sitting on that idea for years and, and it just so happened that I finally had a little extra time to dedicate to it. I was feeling motivated. So I actually, the first thing I do is I just know what the idea is going to be and I know it's going to be successful and I, and I kind of just go for it and I will study up and write, just write, 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 write. I write every single one of my scripts. There's nothing that's not rehearsed. And so that, that, that takes some time. Um, and, and I actually, my wife kind of makes, she doesn't make fun of me, but she's, she thinks it's funny. I'll, as I'm writing, I'll speak out how the video sounds. And, and it, if I'm just like talking to myself, I seem like a crazy person, but it helps because you need to understand pacing. Like you said, if, if people aren't going to watch for watch the whole thing for a while, then you're not going to, you're not going to get success. You're not going to hit the algorithm, which the algorithm is the longer you watch, the more you're going to recommend it, more people click it, more people it recommends it to. Um, so with a big video, like I'll have the idea, I'll write it out. I'll spend quality time recording it. And then with, with, um, like I have an idea of what a perfect video looks like. It's the combination of great writing. My voice sounds decent, not like this. It's not raspy as hell, but, and the music has to be, it doesn't have to be brand new music, but it does help to have new perfect fitting music to set the tone, develop some tension, have some highs and lows. So you need like that push pull effect and you need to have a resolution and it has to be something that's really interesting. There's nothing more interesting than like an all-time athlete goat status world record. Those almost write themselves. But when you find something unique, like Usain Bolt making $30 million with only competing for three minutes in 2016, a video like that, that was a unique idea that I just had and it turned out great. So it's basically writing, make sure it's good, get that voice recording going and then edit it to perfection. And 
you know, the unspoken hero of all, of all of this is the thumbnail. You have to have a good thumbnail. And I'm not great at thumbnails, but I've gotten kind of better and I'm still, still testing all the time. But you have to have a lot of really good components all combined into this perfect product. And at times it's kind of overwhelming because you don't want to slack on anything. You've put so much time into it. Um, maybe that's answered your question. Um, <laughs> kind of goes back to, I think the, the base of everything is just the writing meeting mm -hmm. with the good idea. I've yeah. spent hours trying to uh, copy your thumbnails, to put it that way, like going on <laughs> most popular videos and then seeing how the thumbnail always seems to have higher saturation and then also an hour and an hour in it. And then also some text. It's always like you need to have that curvy arrow, what you can get from Pixar. And I'm not sure if you use yeah, Pixar. Yeah, yeah. I use Pixar. Um, but how long do you spend um, if, if you can break it down or if not overall per video? I, I know it changes depending on the length, depending on. Yeah how hard it is to make like if sometimes it's harder to get footage sometimes you need to get really technical with stats or like writing a lot more because obviously you don't want to write word for word the captions but it helps to have headings in there every so often so how long do you normally take like making a video woof that is a great question um probably the i, I when i talked to the, the beer mile guys last year or maybe it was earlier this year i don't remember i remember telling them that when I made the video top 50 runners of the decade, that video took so long. It probably took a total of like, might've even been 24 total hours just of straight editing, not including the writing or anything else, which is a long time. Um, I don't know, but if I had to guess the average video, which is, you know, my average video is like probably six to eight minutes long. <laughs> my average video is eight minutes and one second long. Um, for, for those who don't know, that's how long it has to be to put multiple ads in your videos. But I will never put more than two ads in a video unless it's over 20 minutes long. There it is, I said it. Um, but ah, four hours, maybe three, four hours total. Um, and it used to not be that way. I've gotten very efficient and I've got like a computer specific for the editing. I've sort of understood my process. So not a crazy long time. And I'm, I mean, I'm all about saving time and, you know, time is money at the end of the day. And I want to do stuff other than just editing. I wish I could, I, I might actually try to time myself just to get a better idea of what, what the total product is like, because it's worth thinking about. Are you a uh, DaVinci Resolve guy, a Final Cut Pro guy, iMovie guy? What kind of one are you using? I'm using, are you editing software, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I use Wondershare Filmora. Pretty basic, actually. I've but never heard of that. It gets the job done. In fact, I've wanted to do a sponsorship with them because they actually reached out to me and I don't think they even knew that I had Wondershare. Um, it's very user-friendly. I mean, it's you can use it on your... I sound like I'm doing a commercial right now. This video is brought to you by Wondershare Filmora. Uh, it, it just is so super simple and I'm not looking for anything super fancy. You know, I don't need hyper edits, you know, a million fonts. I mean, it has everything you'd want. You know, it's got it's, got its own... Uh, Oh, well, now that I think of it, a lot of the stuff that I've just gotten is from like online sound audio internet sites with music and stuff. They don't really provide that as much as they just provide the platform. So I would, I would highly recommend it though for anyone that's not a super professional uh, editor. Wondershare is great. I'll look that up then because I not use DaVinci. I use DaVinci mm -hmm. and iMovie and iMovie, it's so annoying trying to get the text to look right because you can't like move it around very well. And then DaVinci is really? too complicated. Yeah, I can never move iMovie yeah. text 
well i can't move it it's like where it is is where it stays for some reason that's a big so that's a big part of my videos like there's there's a lot of ways you can put like text overlap and scene transitions wondershare has a lot of that done really easily i I would i mean check it out if you're looking to get back in the youtube game (laughs) there's there's like there's a lot of good options i guess i should say easy options you're in fact the only reason that i'm still considering making those type of videos because i'm at a point where i hate it so much because because of the strike (laughs) i got out of the routine of it and i was just uncomfortable making them um i feel like it's something you've got to get used to again like it's definitely something like it's pretty much an art isn't it like you you need to become robotic at doing it like you need to know exactly how to do it and just turn it out yeah Um, yeah it's 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 like it that's true but at the same time i've noticed when i get too robotic is when it gets too monotonous and too similar to the content that I previously put up. And so people aren't as excited and, and I get less views overall. And so you got to kind of hard reset a lot of times. And when you do that is when you get new ideas. So it's all, it's like every single video, you got to kind of recreate yourself. People have high expectations, or at least I do for myself. And so like, I mean, now it's not even, it's we're post running season. So if you, I knew views are going to go down, um, but I'm always looking for, you know, a new way to present videos. And I take inspiration from a lot of other channels so you'll see sort of intros that I have are very different the way that I introduce ideas. It's because I watch other channels. I have to get inspiration from somewhere else. I can't just pull out from my brain, you know, these really unique soundscapes, ideas. Um, I, could, I could hit you up with some of my uh, good channels that are just like so helpful, like Jimmy High Roller, the basketballer basketball channel is unbelievable there's a channel called disrupt uh that has just really unique ways of telling a story um those two have been big inspirations in fact i commented on uh, on your boy jimmy high rollers video recently and he commented back and i'm just sitting like that's a flex right there man that's just cool you know to get a to get a comment back from someone that's like got over like a million and a half subs but yeah, I'm probably going to be able to think more in a minute, but it's don't helpful get too to have. Proud because you, <laughs> yeah, can right. def- you can definitely filter comments by most subscribers. So don't get too proud. You probably just did that to try and make Boom. some connections. But <laughs> yeah. I guess it pays having good subscriber counts. Um, one I watch is Colin and Samir. I think they storytell really well. I'm not sure if you know who they are because they're quite a low key one. But they storytell uh, really well. Yeah, let me write that one. Who's who's that? Colin and Samir, they're called. Uh, they generally do longer form content of podcasts and stuff, but they also do gotcha. um, description videos. So you, you need to like decipher which one's which, but like they're very good. Um, when did you sort of go from a stage of like, for me at the minute, the reason I'm not making as many videos is because my time can be spent doing a lot of other things other than making a video because my CPM's low, my RPM's low, my views are generally low at the minute. Um, so there's no really motivation for me to make videos. Um, mm. When did you sort of go through the stage of transition where you're making videos for not fun, but you're making videos because you want to, to then also you're making videos now because that is the best alternative for you to do with your time and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. that. In- interesting question. See, this is why it's help- nice to talk to a creator because I can, excuse me, I, I objectively remember when that happened. Um so I used to work like a full-time job, like I'm 31. So, I mean, I think that from you being 22, you know, you don't, you might, I'm sure you have some work experience, but in, like I've been in the workforce in the system. So I had already adapted my life 
and sort of given up on my hardcore professional runner dreams. <laughs> so I, I knew how to work a full day. And once YouTube became an area where I saw potential, I kind of just went all in. And I actually took out a, this is back in like 28, 2019. Um, I took out a loan, quit my job, gave myself a year to see success. And I did it every day. I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And even though I am doing it every single day, I still had more time than my previous job. So time for me was already like um, a scarce resource. So it, it, it just made sense. And I could be home. I could be with my wife and, and family. You know, like I didn't have any, any trade-off that would sounded better than that. Um, and the incentive of getting views and seeing your CPM and RPM go up was motivating. You know, <laughs> you see you, when you have success and once it makes you want to work more. Um, I think if I hadn't already been in the workforce, I wouldn't be able to appreciate it. And I wouldn't have been able to uh, really reach where I am because I, again, I, I knew what it was like to be a number in the system. And I was very motivated to not have that happen. And it also was very helpful that I have like a lot of knowledge and experience with the running world. And so I already, I already had this foundation. So just kind of all unleashed one tidal wave at a time video. And here we are two and a half years later. It's crazy. So I yeah. think people, some people might not wanted to hear what you just said, because I can imagine some people are generally quite lazy and kind of hope that you can sort of, you know, start making videos and see success. And then, but like you very much committed fully. Uh, and oh, yeah. just, there yeah. was risk involved too. There was risk. It's not like I just was like, I like video. I like YouTube. I like, you know, I'm just going to grab some footage, talk over it. Nope. Not how it works at all. Some people might have that ability, but I don't know if it's going to be able to combat the new demand of people want good content. You know, it shifts all the time. And I used to actually do that. Oh my gosh. In the very beginning, I had that analyzing the great series, good times. I would literally just get a few clips, talk over it. And oh my gosh, you can hear me stuttering, saying, um, like all the time. It's so cringy now that I try yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to some of those. And people still are like, hey, do some analyzing the grades videos two years later. I'm like, do you really want that? Maybe. Maybe it's worth trying Patreon or something. But I, I should do Patreon more. I think it's a, cool, it's a cool side of creating content and stuff, even though I haven't done it in a while. Sorry, patrons. Yeah, I think a pa patrons are very like black and white, like the people are knowing what they're getting type of thing. And it's a good way to say mm -hmm. like, you're helping me out. There's no illusion about that. Like, you know, if people are paying a subscription, it's helping you. And sort of in return, they get they know what they're getting. Whereas if you like normally like go for like a merch option, like if someone buys a piece of clothing, it's sort of a bit like it's not very black and white. Like that clothing could come up and it'd be bad quality. It could run in the wash. It could shrink. Whereas with, you generally know what you're getting with Patreon. And I, I want to use it more, but at the minute, the capacity to make the con content for the Patreon, it's like when you decide to make a Patreon piece of content and when do you decide to make a YouTube piece of content and stuff like that is it's hard when you haven't got a structure to sort of do that, I guess. That's yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. I jumped in and I, this is actually right when the pandemic hit, I was going to sort of create more Patreon con content and push out merch. We got some merch, but pretty much right when it happened is when the pandemic hit and everything got slowed down significantly. In fact, I kind of have a prototype shirt here of a, of a pink TRP hoodie for guys, girls, whoever wants it. And, and, this is unreleased, you know, we're, we're, I, I would like to get back into the merch game because I don't know. I like my logo. I think it's cool. And I think it's easy, identifiable, easily identifiable, but 
at the end of the day, what, what really I enjoy is editing and writing. And so YouTube is just where I can pour out my thought process. And I think it's fun. And I want to get back into Patreon one day because it looks, I get the idea that I could create that with a lot less of perfection to be reached. And I could just communicate with the patrons. That sounds very appealing to me. Looks like this. It's just authentic. You don't have to worry about the algorithm. You don't have to worry about editing it. Mm -hmm. You just keep it raw. Did you, um, oh, I lost my train of thought then for a second. I was about to ask. No, it's gone. Never mind. Uh, I think that's the problem as well. When, like you said, ADHD just goes left and right all the time. Um, I was I was going to ask you, and it's kind of switching subjects now because it's something I had before, but it seems I forgot. When you when you are making content, do you have sort of favorite athletes to make content about? And then also on the other side of things, on the consumer side of things, do you have favorite runners to watch, like events wise as well? Like, that's a good question. I mean. The classics, you know, like undeniably successful over the past few years. Uh, your Kipchoge, you know, Usain Bolt always brings in excitement. Um, I mean, every year it changes. That's what's great about athletics and sports in general is that it's ever-evolving. Um, you know, we're doing end-of-year lists right now for top world record runs, top races, top athletes kind of thing. Um, so, I mean... You could probably guess what some of them are if you're familiar with like the track and field world, but we're gonna we're gonna put context in there. Um, I mean, this year, like undeniably, Carson Vorholm was just captivating. Um, you know, Sydney McLaughlin and her 400 meter hurdles races was amazing. Jakob clearly, Jakob's been a source of he's like an institution in himself in a way, and I think with the gold medal in the 1500, it was confirmed that not only had he arrived, but he had reached uh, almost more level of greatness than was promised as a teenager. It was, I was so happy for him. Uh, and it was really, God, shout out to Chariot for being a good sport and giving him this, this bracelet at the end. And shout out to Josh Kerr, man, almost took the silver. So, I mean, as a fan, like I can, I can take every single uh, event almost and see excitement, but I mean, undeniably this year, the big, I'll, I'll focus on it. The big ones this year, women's sprinting, you know, the Jamaicans was incredible. Um, men's sprinting was pretty good. Uh, Trayvon Bromel was exciting. He kind of didn't really reach what I thought was going to happen in the Olympics, but all the same, you know, cool. United States sprinting is incredibly deep. Aria Knighton is a beast as a, as a youth athlete, like insane. I don't know. It kind of was good across the board, you know, honestly. And I think that's because people wanted the Olympics last year so bad. And so now that it finally came, everyone was ready to just jump out of their skins with, with running and competing. Um, I can't really think of a, an event that, I mean, there's some events that were undeniably more exciting than others, like clearly, but as a fan, again, I, I could find excitement in pretty much anything. Like there were a lot of world records this year. It's because there was a lot of good talent. I'm just talking myself in circles at this point. We'll see what my end of year lists yield. I'm still making the the, the ranking, so we'll see. Yeah, coffee break and uh, yeah, back into it. What coffee are you drinking? Is it any any specific coffee, or is it just some standard one? So, I'm happy you mentioned. I love coffee. I my old job, my boss is kind of a coffee nut. Um, so we have our this cup is from a local roaster, Batdorf and Bronson. There's two in the United States. This, <laughs> such a nerd. This coffee is, um, it's from Ethiopia. I have a subscription through Trade Coffee. 
and I get two 12 ounce bags every two weeks. Um, I ground my own beans. <laughs> it sounds so lame. No one cares, but I love coffee and, and I would rather drink good coffee than, than basic pre-ground, not so good coffee. So yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it. I ground my own beans as well. Um, it's, Hell yeah. it's hard work, <laughs> but it's worth it. It really is. Yeah. I actually have a story on my Instagram from like a year ago. I'm like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do it. You know, I ground it and put it in the French press and go. I'll, I might go post it again one day because I would love to have a sponsorship from Trade Coffee. That'd be the dream, man. Be the dream. Yeah, I, I'm currently using Summit Coffee, I think it is. It's a, I use their Runner's Coffee as well and Summit Coffee, I think. Both like running brands. Uh, I probably should know since they did send it to me for free. I'll do a you know, post about it and stuff like that. Um, obviously, when you're talking about the excitement of this year, I think it is clear that the sprints, especially with Shakira Richardson in the 100 as well, as well as like Elaine Thompson and Shelly Fraser-Price doing so well, undeniably, that was extremely exciting. But also like, I think Jakob, big name. And then also like Carson Sydney and the 400 hurdles as a whole, but also on the roads recently, we've had Kip Limo and- uh, Oh my gosh. Godai to go and absolutely smash the world record. Jeez. Yeah, all these things, man. I don't know how I'm going to make a list on it because they're so unique in their own way. But there was one comment I got talking about how when the when there's so many records, you almost get desensitized to it. So it's almost like you become used to the fact that these insane things are happening. And maybe, you know, it's a little bit of everything, like some shoe technology, you know, the the Olympic year. We, I, I, I want to resist that urge because... These athletes deserve every single accolade that they they should get. I mean, to completely skip over the 63-minute barrier in a half marathon is insane. Like, to put that into context is hard. And I tried to when I made the video. I'm talking about the half marathon world record from Vitesse and Gide. That was just one of many great, great records this year. And it's, I would, I honestly expected that video to get like, Two, three hundred thousand views in the first three days, but I mean, it's still over like a hundred k. People were interested in it, and it, I think it's just because this Olympic year was so crazy with so much excitement, so many storylines. That I mean, it's not sat oversaturated, but I think there was some some sense of saturation when it comes to content. I, to stop for a second and and think about how all this works, like I love marketing. And so to figure out how to make running more popular is really exciting. So I'm talking about saturation, talking about like anticipation for videos in the Olympic year, of course, during the Olympics is going to be just unreal. The outpouring of excitement, people coming to your videos happens really fast. Uh, but you know, now it's at a yearly low, no question, except for maybe in January. Um, because, you know, track and field is over. There's a few races still coming up and there's always going to be races, but the lull is happening right now. And as, as a marketer, because I think I, I would consider myself more of like a marketing kind of person, um, it, it can be challenging. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to think about right now. I Moving think forward also, to the next year. It's, it's absolutely crazy how much of a difference search volumes make a difference. Like say if something's just happened that day, or like oh, yeah. it's crazy how much it gets recommended so much more or like the search volume is so much higher. Like it's hard to comprehend how big that difference is until you actually make a video and see the results. I always find that quite shocking. Like I did a video on the Kipchoge NN marathon. Was that last year now or the start of this year? Obviously mm. his first marathon after London. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was recording the video 
as it was going on because I wanted to get it out instantly. So I, I was like commentating on the video as it went and then edited it as it was going on. And then literally the last 10 seconds, I said, Kipchoge finishing the time of blah, 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 put some footage on quickly. And it got like, for me, obviously it's nothing for you, but it got 10,000 views in like the first hour. And that's, that's solid. That's great. Yeah. And then I'd be very uh, pleased. <laughs> yeah. The, my, my videos that you're talking at the minute, like if a video gets over 10,000 views as a whole, it's done phenomenally for me. So like for that to happen in an hour, it's crazy to like see how much of a difference it makes. Like when people are actually searching for it or when it's, it's just, I can never really comprehend how the algorithm actually does it that well and picks it up that well. Um, but yeah, I wanted I would to, love to you, sit down with, Sorry, go, go no, on. No, no, you go on. Sorry, I've got to. <laughs> Just to sort of talk more about the algorithm briefly, I won't talk too long so you won't forget, but I would be curious to learn the full extent of how uh, all the searching for something and recommending and pushing works. Obviously, it helps to have a subscriber base interested to get the notification, but Google is so huge and they have such a great system, but I don't know how it works. You know, I mean, if you go on Google Trends, you can literally see the fluctuations of popularity of searches uh, and how it works throughout the year. And, and I mean, I'm sure there's some of that fuzzy logic as it's called that goes into uh, your video being pushed, but I don't know. All of these things are worth exploring and understanding, but I just don't know. But yeah, yeah but it, what were you gonna like, say? It's, uh, you'd remind me of something else, so I'll say it in a second, but it's, it's like, um, I have seen no difference in performance if I put tags in my video or if I really try to do an SEO description. I've seen no difference in performance whatsoever, hmm. but obviously they're I, supposed to be. Yeah, I, they're supposed to be. I read somewhere that it isn't as influential as it used to be. I don't know if there's any real depth to that, but maybe I'll try a tagless video soon <laughs> and see what happens. I might need to inspect source and see what tags you use after this podcast. I um, love how much you think about all this stuff, by the way, because most people don't. And maybe it's because I don't talk to creators. I mean, I want to talk to athletes, but you know, all of these things are incredibly important. So it's refreshing to take a deep dive back into the sort of the the groundwork foundation of of you know what makes a video work. Yeah, I think that, I think that's why I'm good on Instagram because I'm very nerdy. In, nerdy is the right word in types of the algorithm. Same with YouTube. But Instagram content so easy to, easy to make compared to YouTube content. So that's why I'm sort of struggling on YouTube because I actually can't make the content. I know how to make it. I just can't yeah. do it. It requires more um, time. No question. Yeah. But the question I was going back to was obviously that Kipchoge video I did was like instantly. What what like is the most extreme you've gone for a video where you've tried to like op either optimize its performance or get it out as quick as possible? Like, have you done anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of my whole channel. Are you asking what I've tried to do to optimize its performance or what like the numbers have been through the first hour or what both? I was like, what sort of like the most extremes you've gone to, to get it out as quick as possible? Oh yeah. 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 Um, well, a lot of, this is just one example. A lot of times the footage is like, you know, I mean, obviously I have like express VPN to get you know, from different countries, like the footage is only available on like a Portuguese website, like the Lisbon Marathon. Um, you know, that's one thing, but I've, I've gone, I've gone to some fairly sketchy looking websites and I've paid subscriptions to get footage from time to time. And I mean, what you did with that Kipchoge video is pretty much what I do with every video. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, my goal is to get it up within an hour after the, the, um, 
the race happens. Uh, and so maybe this is another thing to think about. Like, what can I do to further optimize that, that immediate performance? I mean, I've written almost entire scripts just with the blanks of what times they actually ran, ready to go. So when the race is over, commentary goes, the footage I've already gathered, it's all in the editing software. Now I just have to, you know, take what I can get as, as fast as I can. <clears throat> I don't really think I've done anything like more than that, but it's worth thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I've, um, in terms of YouTube, I've like literally been in the car on the way to a training session. I still hadn't finished my video. I was like recording it as the race was happening and editing it oh, in the great. car. And it was like, I had to like just hope and pray that um, the reducing background noise would be enough to get out of the like make the car engine uh -huh. not and it, it worked and it did really well but like it is strange how how quickly you can get it out it makes a massive difference but I kind of oh, want to yeah. try like with Instagram I say if the NCAA just happened um, mm -hmm. don't know why I say it did because it just did I had a picture of Connor, Connor Mance with first I had a picture of Afanis Kyoko was first I had a picture of Wesley Kiptu first oh nice that's Charles great first just to see how quickly that sort of works well. Um, it works well with world records as well. But like, like you said, you need to know the time. If it's a world record, yeah. you need to know when they finish and what time it is. Um, so yeah, there's loads of different ways. It always works a lot better if you're the first to post by though. It always For sure. picks no up question. so well. Yeah, I, 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 that's the goal every single time, obviously. Um, but it does have to be quality too. So it can be somewhat challenging. And I think there is some toxic nature to that um because you got to be careful yes it's it's nice to break a story first but with that comes the idea of sensationalism and to go too far down that rabbit hole you're objectively not going to be making as quality content um and you know you see the classic like people like actual reporters sprinting to a scene to cover a car crash or to cover a you know you're standing outside of some celebrity's home talking about their death it's like something about that's unappealing to me and, and and i think i would rather take a little bit of my time to make sure it's quality because at the end of the day quality is always going to beat uh immediate news i i think you know not everyone's eyes are going to be drawn to the second place finisher over the first but i would rather be uh thought of as someone that's going to upload quality content while still getting it up relatively quickly um and I'm kind of just thinking of this on the fly. Um, nothing's wrong with like being prepared as long as it's good. If you can combine those two things, you win, man. You know, you'll win with with the way that news media reporting and news works. Yeah. I, I've, I've never thought of having a, multiple thumbnails with like people that are going to potentially win, you know, Kyoko or Mance or, or Kip too. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. I like that. I'm not going to steal your idea and just, you know, borrow it. No, it's fine. You're more than welcome to, because I've definitely borrowed a lot of your uh, thumbnails. Um, in in terms of your scripts, like you said, you write everything out. Do you ever like get tempted to? I'm not sure if you do do this, like just have a website as well, where you just sort of upload the script and like see what happens. I've, yeah, I mean, I do have TotalRunningProductions.com, but I never use it. I just don't. The only script I think I have uploaded was I uploaded a just a casual video about the pandemic hitting and what it's like, you know, coming from an athletic perspective and coming from a previous public health professional, I was motivated to write about it. It's on there somewhere. You could find it. I'm sure there's only like five or six links pages on there, but um, not really. Uh, maybe. And I've thought, I've thought about doing something else, which would be like to take 
some of my scripts, some of my ideas and, and, and like sort of create a storyline about them and maybe create it into some kind of a book. Cause my grandfather uh, who passed away in 2019, he said a few times, like, make sure you're writing something, make sure you're writing it down. And that would be a good way to put it all together. Um, but then again, I don't want to just take my scripts and put it into a book and say, here's my finished product. I would rather actually create a story. Um, I don't know. It might be worth putting it online somewhere and, and have more traffic to totalrunningproductions.com. But I, I just think like my time is better suited for creating content on YouTube. And, and my wife and I have thought about different ways to branch out because as a news content creator entity, you kind of, it behooves you to look into different platforms and reach out in different ways and keep it fresh. And I mean, a website and Instagram and potentially like TikTok and all those things are appealing in their own way, but I don't know what it is, but with YouTube and me, it just, it's the perfect combination of reaching the detail I want to reach, you know, being able to uh, reach the audience that YouTube can reach. Uh, it just, it's fit very well. It's a good fit for me. That's something I was going to ask because for me, for the future, I want to be able to go to these races, film interviews, film whatever. But when your dynamic is working so well, like what what do you have plans for the future wise? Because like like if if it's don't if it's not broken, don't fix it type of thing. Like if if your channel's doing extremely well, growing extremely well, what do you want to do? Because like like your videos are near perfect storytelling and algorithm wise if that makes sense so it's like where'd you go from where you are now i've thought about that i mean that's a good question um i guess the the most immediate thought i have with that is how the world championships are going to be in oregon this year and i'm fully planning on going my wife and i are planning on going and i want to meet people and i want to see some races and i want to you know like just be a part of it but on the business side of things on the creator side of things it kind of makes more sense to be ready in ways that I've been ready before behind my laptop, you know, watching the races, getting ready to upload instead of being in the stands. So I kind of want to find a way to blend those two things. And like I said before, I think a great way to do that is to have uh, a total running productions crew and anyone who's on site wanting to film, wanting to be a part of it, uh, getting credit. I'll, you know, I'll link your Instagram link, whatever links you want me to link. And if you've got any further requests, I'm open to negotiation. I just think that people want the content and not everyone can get there. Not everyone can buy a plane ticket to go halfway, halfway across the world or drive six hours away. There's a way to do this. Like we can do this. We can get that content online for free without, you know, like other companies ruining it. Like there's a way to do this. So there's going to be some expansion. Like I'm not always going to be able to do what I'm doing now. I, I want to go to Europe. I'd love to check out diamond league scene. I'm by the way, I'm super jealous that you were able to be there for Chepta guys world record. I can, that was such a unique thing. Like it would have been cool if there was a crowd there, but at the same time, it, it almost is more interesting to see someone run a 1235 with an empty, relatively empty stands. Mm. I don't know. What, what was, what was that like from your perspective? So first of all, my one of my biggest regrets was filming it as well. I, I filmed the last lap, and yes, I was still looking up, but I was also looking to make sure it was still in shot, and I really regret that because I feel like that took away a bit of the moment for me. Um, yeah, but I, no I, one, yeah. no one actually, really, actually, the the five k was a bit different. I think 
there was still a, uh, it's probably less than half capacity the stadium, but like the commentator really helped the in stadium commentator. Like he was like, you know, I'm sure you've seen like Spanish football commentators where they're like, golazo, like the scream, like they really like go yeah. about it. And that's, that's what he was doing. So he was really hyping it up. And obviously for me, I know the context of what's happening. So I think mm-hmm. it helped that I knew that he was going to break it. Uh, but uh, like, it was just like goosebumps, like shivers. It's amazing. And that's, that's incredible. I'll send you some videos after this, but I was stood um, where the coaches stood or where the agents stood and the managers. So Chapter Guy literally ran straight past us and like stayed in that area. And, like I could have like, if I said, if I shouted Chapter Guy, I probably could have got his attention because of COVID, you kind of instantly got dirty looks if you tried to do anything like that. So that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jakob, because it was the first time Jakob ran sub 3.30 as well. So obviously oh. he's run, he runs the European record, and no yeah, one expected that. Six eight, I think. And he came second, and everyone was like, "What just happened?" But I knew what just happened. I was like, "He just broke the European record," and the, the yeah. stadium didn't even react to it. Like they didn't, they didn't react. And I was Strange. like, "What has just happened?" Um, and that was insane because obviously Jakob, um, Jakob waved at us. I didn't see. That's my other regret. I didn't film that when Jakob, like I shouted Jakob, and he waved and put his thumb up at us. And the photos it's I got good YouTube short, yeah. But the fo- I got it in um live photo. Do you know how it's mm. and the photo yeah, 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 doesn't, yeah. doesn't look like he's waving at us, so it's it was terrible. Ah, so close. That's so, that's sort of almost like a burden of being a re- reporter creator. Not hardly a complaint at all. I'm not complaining, but I can I can understand like as a fan and as a as a as a runner yourself, you you want to watch it, and you want to be there and appreciate it in the moment. The memory will always be more valuable than the actual footage you know that you're staring through the phone it's not organic um because you're focused on something else instead of being there while the other twenty thousand people are completely in the moment i mean it's kind of kind of cruddy but you know it's almost a unique angle from your end you know you you were there which is already cool enough and while the quarantine afterwards was was probably long it sounds like it was worth it yeah, I'd say just about it was just about worth it. I think it would have made it even just more about. worth it if we went on the yacht party with uh well not the party, but Craig and Donovan Brazier and Donovan. I think Lyles. They were on a yacht. Great picture. Me, me and Rory um were both with our girlfriends or his um love interests at the time. And so there was four of us and there's only two spaces on the yacht, so we didn't go on the yacht. Um so okay. that would have made it even better. But then we saw Craig in the airport. So like Craig, Jessica (laughs) Hall, Shannon Robbery. So it was nice to see them in the airport. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it was a crazy trip because I think when you make this content, and like I think you're the same, like you can interact with these people online, you can make videos about them. And then when you see them in person, it's a bit different because you feel like you already know them. And uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just a strange one. It was fun. I I I want to go back next year. I've always, I mean, I've never been to Europe, which is crazy because I've, I have traveled to a decent amount of places, but never been to Europe. Um, but I would, I mean, I'd love to check out the Diamond League meetings and, you know, travel across a few different countries and see things, but I haven't for now. And that's fine. I've been able to cover the the races, um, but I was going to say something. And I totally forgot it again. I'm, I'm getting, my brain's breaking. <laughs> um, oh, I was, are you planning on coming to the world championships in yeah. Eugene? COVID awesome. permitted. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because I couldn't get, cool. I wanted to get to the pre-classic last year and and also the NCAAs. And um, I couldn't because you had to have a national exemption form. I mean, in that you basically had to be like a really high profile journalist or make the US a lot of money if you were allowed to travel um, from the UK. And but you had to make the US a lot of money. When, yeah, so basically in order to fly, you had to have a national exemption form. And it was either people who are obviously going to, it's quite funny because it was either people who are going to write really good things about the US for like a big publication. So like even uh, increase the US's exposure wherever you go or someone who's gotcha. going to bring business, uh, like a lot of business. Um, and obviously Heck, I you should have pulled out some of your numbers on Instagram. We're going to reach 150,000 people in the first hour. I don't know. Maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know if they're looking for Instagram followers necessarily, but I wonder how that works, how they measure those metrics. I might have to try that this year. It's definitely helpful that it's in um, it's a Hayward Field because Ben Crawford, it's just easy to just call him up and be like, yeah, can I come and stay? Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 a legend in his own right. And now that Charlie Hunter and and Coop, along with Cole Hawker, are like Nike athletes, they kind of own that town. I think now. I don't know what what's exactly is you know going to be the case come the World Championships, but th- I mean this is this is such a unique moment, specifically for the United States because we've never hosted the World Championships, and so I think this could be that big big push. I'm really optimistic about it that not only makes it popular in the United States, but can push it more internationally, track and field. I think Phil Knight and Seb Coe both mentioned how combined with a new epic stadium, good Lord, it's beautiful, and the World Championships being in Tracktown, USA. It's such a unique opportunity, and I really want to help promote it and be a part of it and, you know, be there and Mm. just – because I went to the Olympic trials in 2016 – and uh, that was amazing already. Uh, but that's, the, that, I mean, that's only the trials. Like the town shuts down, and rightly so. They're, they're a good host. You know, a lot of history there with Bill Bowerman and Prefontaine and, you know, all of the great distance runners from the 70s in the United States. But I think this really could be a watershed uh, year for track and field, specifically in the U.S. And that's going to be part of sort of the strategy of how to maximize views. I just, you can never really tell with what the United States is going to cover. We were, we're big on sensationalizing a lot of things. And I don't think there's an opportunity for it to get political because 2020 was already just a, a ginormous shit show. Um, thank God track and field was entertaining. Uh, but, you know, I don't think there's any way the world championships are going to get like political, but it's just going to be a big, big push. I'm trying to think through it right now, what's going to happen, but I, I'm going to be there. Um, me and my wife are going to be there. Um, planning on hanging out with as many people as I can, meeting people. Uh, I'm assuming Spencer's going to be there, the old athlete special. I, I still have yet to meet him. We wanted to maybe not collab so much anymore because I don't really, I haven't run nearly as much as I used to. I'm not in the shape I was back in like 2018, but um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Sorry, I'm talking in circles. It's, it's fine. I was just thinking about that collaboration with like other runners. How do you, how do you think your uh, channel would do or like the views would do if you made like a sweat elite video, for example? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't do that. Um, I, I could do that. But I think people are interested in workouts specifically. Like the Mo, the Mo I think it was Mohamed Katir from Spain, sweat elite covered that a day or two ago. I mean, I thought that was really cool. I'm, I'm, what they're doing is very, very helpful. Mm. It's great. They're on the track. They're in wherever the runners are running. 
you know, that's what every runner does every day. You race much less than you train. And so to be exposed to that is hugely important. I like telling the story and the full scope of things, but you can't tell the story without the training. So, you know, if I, if I happen to be in, let's just say, you know, Uganda, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and get some Kip Limo and, and Chepta guy footage and be in Capture and, and same thing with being in uh, El Duret with, with like Kipchoge and the NN running team. I mean, those things are very important and you can tell a story through the training. You know, I've covered like training before, but not like just hard footage for 10, 15 minutes. I, I kind of have put like the full picture up and talked about how that led to this, this breakthrough from here. I'm, I'm interested in it. it. Just so happens that where I live is far from any kind of distance running activity. Um, but then again, I cover sprinting and middle distance running and road racing as well. So I, I plan on being more involved with the indoor track circuit come 2022 because I'm within driving distance of, I actually live within an hour of the University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, but I mean, obviously Arkansas, the University of Arkansas is where the best indoor track and field performances ever go down. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd love to make it out there, maybe make a day or two trip out of it. You know, NCAA finals are probably going to be there. A few indoor track meets. That'd be exciting. Is that the 195 meter track? Is, is that right? I'm yeah. not. It's I'm the joking. banked track. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just realized you're being sarcastic. Yeah. I just realized that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know there's one in, was it Spain where Frankie Fredericks set the indoor 200 meter record where it's like, we don't know if this was accurate. He broke 20 seconds, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll have to, I'll measure it when I'm there and I'll, and I'll spread the, the gossip online. Like Arkansas track is two meters short. I think that you can make a good video of that. It's just the way you structure it. Like you could literally make a video saying the Arkansas track and field running track is too, like you could like do a terrible thumbnail, terrible um, title and do the exact same video and you'd get rubbish views. And then you could change it a bit. And it's like, the way the runners, this, these runners cheated, blah, 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 and you get hundreds of thousands. It's, it's crazy how no, it makes such a difference. That's, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I, I did do a video in 2020 talking about wave light pacing. And I didn't know how I wanted to structure it, but I titled it, uh, like, the, this is the problem with 2020 world records. And I, the one thing I wish I had done is stated, this is specific to distance running. Because it doesn't matter if you have a wave light pacing in the 100, 200 meters. That's not going to help. But for pacing, which is a huge obstacle when it comes to 5,000, 10,000 world records, like that's going to help. That's going to help a lot because if you're going to break a world record, you're probably going to be attacking it solo. That's why Chip Guy ran such consistent, consistent splits objectively. And I think I, that got lost in translation because if you look at the comments, people are like, oh, yeah, Usain Bolt needed the weight, those wave like pacing to run 9.58. And while I didn't mention it specifically, I only talked about like, a few distance running records. I mean, you could have figured that out by yourself, but I mean, that's one of those videos. It's sort of like a, the rare sort of controversy that comes up. Controversies are always, are always fun, but you kind of do need to give them a break after a while, like you know, the distance running shoes. I was lucky to cover one when the Alpha Flies first released with Kipchoge. That was popular. The Wave Light Pacing was a good one. I, I kind of stopped after I did one for the Vaporfly. Or not the Vaporfly, the Viperfly. Um, that R. one did really well. Yeah, exactly. R.I.P. I kind of like had to read some 
really obscure articles about how they did some testing with that. And it was like so much better than other shoes, but I never actually got any confirmation, but I mean, I took that article and I ran with it and it worked. And yeah, those videos are fun. It, it helps to have boundaries being pushed. Yeah. Uh, I think that that gives good, good life to, um, to the sport. And there is, a, there's one last question I've got, and it's sort of a joint question. And uh, cause I'm interested about this because I recently started watching Drive to Survive, the Netflix documentary on F1, on uh, obviously on Netflix. Really good documentary, and it sort of got me back into F1. I think, I think since like since it's been going, this documentary, the viewership of F1 has increased double, like it's doubled the viewership. Wow. So Netflix obviously plays a big role. And sort of the two part of the question is, do you ever see yourself doing some of that longer form content, like a documentary style thing? And also, do you? Like, if you could change one thing about the sport or make anything better, what would it be? Because at the minute, I'm very much in the content creation. I feel like that's the one way to make the sport so much better is create stuff like documentaries, like what can go on Netflix or entice people into the sport. So I was just curious. I've had that exact same thought. No question. I would love to make an hour, hour and a half documentary. I don't know exactly what it would be on. It would probably need to be something at least fairly recent because there was that big video on Emil Zatopek I still have yet to watch it, but it came out pretty recently, I think. And as far as I'm concerned, it did really well. And um, I always get confused whether or not, this is probably bad, but whether it's the Czech Republic now or Czechoslovakia, I'm pretty sure it's the Czech Republic now. Yeah, you as the European yeah. probably know this. That's what, okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I'm pretty sure it did really well in, in the Czech Republic, but <clears throat> um, I haven't watched it yet. But And that is like a documentary biography kind of thing. I would, that's kind of the dream in a way, you know, like I'm really inspired by the 30 for 30 series on, on uh, ESPN that include like a lot of the big historic talented athletes. Um, I mean, there's a few documentaries that are just on like Disney plus on national geographic that cover non, well, they're kind of, they are athletic based, but they're not athletics. They're not running um, like the free solo documentary or the, the lost on Everest documentary. Those kind of things get, lot of detail national geographic does some as a creator you see well as they, they do good job but i was just realizing they did the breaking two documentary when kipchoge mm -hmm. tried to break two in um in monza so they've done that before but it wasn't i don't think national geographic or disney plus is the place to put it i think like you mentioned either putting it on netflix or finding a way for it to be a part of a regular consumer rotation would do wonders for track and field. And I think there's a lot going on right now that could be unique and exciting enough to, to do it. But the thing is, for a while, I still think we're going to be living in the post-Bolt era. He was the perfect athlete across the board, taller than everyone else, faster than everyone else, marketable more than anyone else. And his name was Usain Bolt. Unbelievable. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to reach the real level of international acclaim and excitement until there's an athlete or two or three that can get close to that. I think Kipchoge was as close as we've gotten since then. That sub two hour thing was a perfect marketing tool, but you know, that was road racing. That was a marathon. It wasn't track. So I would be so excited and happy to get like a monthly stipend and be a part of a, a month long creation of something. Um, so yes, very excited about that. And part two of your question, if there was anything I could change, <laughs> I mean, the easy answer is to take strikes away from 
you know, the, the videos that we make. Um, but that's kind of an easy go-to answer. <clears throat> I think it would be really uh, helpful to the sport to have more just exposure here in the States. And that, that kind of comes across like with what we just mentioned, maybe a documentary, maybe just more consistent coverage from different platforms, even though there are a lot of good places uh, that do cover it. Like the, uh, the American track club meets, those are, those are great. I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative to anyone that can create an actual meet and get the, the footage out there and continue to grow the sport. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's an answer out there for what I would want to change more than anything else, but I'm really not sure what it is at the moment. Maybe it's something to do with the way people uh, consume media nowadays. Maybe it's something to do with the way content's created. Maybe it's just kind of a little bit of everything. Obviously we want the sport to be more popular, but who knows the best way to do that? You know, it's a challenge. Yeah, I think the more and more technology advances, the harder it seems to get, even though it should seem to get easier because like with rights issues, with like which platform do you use now? Because originally, like if you wanted to do well, like there was, there was less saturation. If you did a good YouTube video, it generally get a lot of views. Whereas now you could do a good YouTube video and not get a lot of views. You could do a really good TikTok video and you get no views. So it's, it's, it's hard to sort of prioritize it. And I think like, like you said, there isn't, I, I always ask this question and I don't know why, because it's never as simple as change one thing because there isn't one thing. Um, and it is an interesting one because there's, I think there's so many different areas we could improve on, um, like content as a whole, like actually having, I don't know if this would take away things from you and myself or like Cities, like Cities Mag and Chris Chavez, but like having World Athletics and having, I guess the Olympic Committee have more of an emphasis on it, but also would they just export like, I guess, uh, sort of, what's the right word I'm looking for? Is it better for them to just say, look, we'll pay you a certain amount of money to make this content every year, if that makes sense. Like it make more sense for like someone trusted, like for them to go to you and go, we'll give you this money, just make sure you make a certain quota of videos or something like that. I mean, potentially, but the 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 only issue I, I might have with that is, so from for me and from you, like we pursue the entrepreneurial spirit and have the freedom to do what we want to do exactly. When there's oversight, red tape, and all that bullshit, the, the issue is going to be you don't have your own rights and control of what you create, even though they could be as simple as make 10 videos every month. But I don't think it would work like that. Like I've gotten really uh, lucky with the complete freedom I have. And ultimately when that's the case, your best content is going to come out. And the people that actually do care about the sport and love the sport are going to continue. So just based on what I've been through with work, I don't, I don't need, nor do I want anyone telling me anything of what I, I need to do. No structure. I don't want like, oh, that makes me so sad to think about. I don't need to be told what time to wake up. I don't need anything. Um, so, um, but I will say when I, um, when I talked with World Athletics about uh, just, it was basically just logic scripts, the information and data storylines that go along with each athlete. What is the most important dimension? Is there like hierarchies? How does this work? Um, I felt like a consultant. I didn't feel like they were, uh, you know, my bosses at the time. I was, they were almost working. Well, they weren't working for me. I was working for them, but we were at the same level. Um, and I think that's what is going to get the sport further out there is to have 
so, different voices with different per perspectives and opinions providing unique uh, marketing drivers to the sport. I think about this all the time and every single video that I upload is about this. It is a very difficult question to ask, but I think it's, I think we've already made some big strides in the track and field world. I think that people have seen that, I mean, just for my channel alone, there's a lot of unique things going on. I mean, it blows me away that I have 345,000 subscribers. And while they don't all watch every single one of my videos in a day, which is not how YouTube works, I am like so excited. People are excited about it. And, and yeah, I just want to keep, keep going forward with it, reach that 500K mark and potentially get that million YouTube play button and put it on my wall and be like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think especially with the World Championships next year being in the US, I think that's going to help a lot for you. Like especially if they really focus on the sprints again, because Christian Coleman's coming back. That's going to be a huge story. Shakira Richardson's going to be a huge mm -hmm. story as well again. So that's, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of millions of people there who are just interested in that alone. So I think that's going yeah, to be Yeah, that, that's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And if I see anything like I saw during the Olympics or even the Olympic trials, then that's going to be exciting. It really was an amazing... Uh... You know, I actually saw more incoming traffic during the Olympic trials than I did during the Olympics, which blows me away, which may have been because it was in the States. I'm not sure. Yeah, a little food for thought, but because right now, I mean, I don't know about you, but YouTube is overwhelmingly United States audience for me. And it, I mean, it makes sense. YouTube's based in the United States. I mean, it's, it, it's a very much technologically obsessed uh, at times country. And so there's, there's a lot of obvious reasons why that would be the biggest um, driver, but I'm just thinking about my analytics because I mean, I get a lot of views from the great, great Britain. I get a lot from the United States, a surprising amount from Australia, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited for the, Olymp uh, the Olympics, for the world championships to be here uh, this coming year. Um, definitely want to meet you when you're here. Um, we can all hang out with Ben Crawford gang. Shout out to, to Ben Crawford. I mean, who knows what he's doing right now, but whatever it is, it's, it's legend status. The dude's a myth. The dude's a mythical figure. He's got things coming <laughs> as well. I've been speaking to him recently. He's got quite a lot of things coming this month. I'll That's leave cool. it at that. I, I don't know yeah, much yeah. else to honest. Kept it a secret. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll both be excited to see what happens. I don't know. Like the, he, he creates some of the most unique things and it's always like almost want stuff I want to replicate. It's not my, uh, I, I don't, I don't live with Nike dudes. I don't have the access that he has going to UG, the U of O. Um, yeah. Myth, mythical. Yeah. But Ben's life is, uh, whenever you speak about him, like obviously making videos, he lives with them. Uh, when he was making merch designs, he knows someone who used to work for a really big company and knows how to do designs. Whenever he was making magazines, he does journalism. So his life is perfectly <laughs> structured for exactly what he's doing. He is, his, yeah. his brain works differently. He's all about like leaving a legacy, I think, and making an impact. And a lot of people, I think, with the views he got uh, last summer, a lot of people could have got lost and thought, I'm just going to make these videos every day. I think mm -hmm. it would have been easy because he's his RPM. I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this because no one other than me and you could calculate how much he earns, but his RPM is over 20. It's great. It's really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mine's one. 
another minute, my opinion. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, I guess I won't get too specific, but just a little perspective. I don't know exactly how it works, but the video I put up recently about the shot put that has like 6.9 million views, that is half of what my Javelin Jan Jelesny video was. And they have similar views, 6.9 million, 7.8 million, I think. The Javelin video has grossed more than twice the revenue of the shot put video blows me away because it's very similar views and i think it's because of the watch duration obviously that plays mm -hmm. a role in your cpm but i mean it's kind of have to do it kind of has to do with the topic as well uh and and the way people watch it and the way it's monetized i don't know how maybe from where people are watching it because i got a lot of czech republic viewers and like this guy's a legend in our home country the name the name means man of iron you know it's um it's a crazy world out there if you like something you can make good content and enjoy it People are going to watch it. I tell that to people all the time. It's definitely not as easy as it looks because it does look like you got videos and started talking about it. But um, I would also, I mean, keep keep pushing on the YouTube game, man. It's it's you know it's it's a confusing at times and strikes aren't fun. But uh, how about this? We'll we'll make a pact. I'll start trying to do Instagram a little bit better because there's no reason I shouldn't have more followers. And mm -hmm. same with you, with YouTube. There's no reason why you shouldn't have more subscribers. So we'll trade off on our uh, on our homework. Okay, and I've I've got an even better idea. And this is obviously oh, yeah. this is so much more beneficial for me. And I'm obviously joking. I'll I'll make some Instagram content for you, which takes me about five minutes, and you'll make some <laughs> videos for me. A few hours, that is. Seems like a fair trade off to me. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I think that, that I'll works. Do that. Yeah, because and obviously. <laughs> I think I, I can help with Instagram quite a lot. And especially when you've already got the content there type thing. Like, yeah. No and I appreciate you like, um, uh, sort of posting through with, see, this is how terrible I am on Instagram. I don't even know what it's called when you posted the Jakob, uh, post, which <clears throat> by the way, yeah, I was looking at some of those like age group world records in the comments. Like I took for fact, or at least the way that the website was structured is a lot of those age group world records were, official and the reason that i actually thought that was because a lot of times when it comes to african athletes they can't verify birthdays mm -hmm. and so i knew kip limo had run faster in the 3000 i knew he had run faster in the 5000 but i was assuming Jacobs had been ratified now i didn't want to say the reason this is in my video is because Jacob hasn't gotten his or jacob kip limo hasn't gotten his birth certificate verified i have no clue whether or not that's even the case but someone commented that that's like a dead website now because the creator had passed away i don't know there's all these like facts that go into these things that sometimes i realize sometimes i don't know um it is helpful to fact check i try every single time i try to make sure whatever i'm posting is a fact i think like an official <laughs> on the on the on that particular one he he did break 19 records whether or not they were mm. broken as well that day like he still broke it on the day we broke the um mm -hmm. 3k kip limo was in the same race so he's totally yeah, yeah, broke yeah. the record so it's like it's where you look at ah, it but... these are facts all right yeah yeah well technically he was what half a second shy of breaking it in a way but he also did break it in the same race if mm -hmm. you want to look at it that way if Jay... and, <laughs> that's if, dumb. if his time got ratified before kip limo's then it would have been yeah. an official record before they ratified kip limo's because that's how it works it's so stupid like someone could break a world record a week before someone else. And then if their record gets ratified, even after that other record's been ran, it's their world record until the other one's ratified. 
So it's, yeah. that is dumb, but I don't know how the ratification process works. I'm, I'm happy there's a governing body that at least seems to try. Well, I mean, after talking to them, I'm, I am convinced that they, they, they try, but <clears throat> you know, one thing I'm curious about, you said you had a race this Sunday. Mm-hmm. What's your, uh, what, it's a 10 K, right? Yeah. 10 K. What's you, what, what's your goal? What you shooting for? So it's, it's the nationals. Um, so it'd be nice to win the nationals. Um, of course, but of it's, all, it's also very, very windy at the minute. So I don't know if the time is going to be realistic. Mm. I think it's tw- in the 28s uh, would probably be nice to run 28 something. Uh, but I think it's to run well if it's windy and try and win yeah. or at least medal. And then if not, just try and run sub 29, I think. So like two goals, really, I guess. But I've got a dilemma. I don't know what shoes to wear. because I saw your post. I mean, yeah, the Vaporflies are classics, but those new Adidas are looking looking nice. I've tried have them you, on. I'm, I'm a, yeah, you haven't run in them that, in yet, though? So I've not done a session in these. Uh, the If anyone's listening, Adidas, Takumi Sen 8, um, they're faster than the Vaporfly. Um, gotcha. a, a lot faster, but also the Vaporfly, I know what I'm going to get with the Vaporfly. But I've used yeah. it over mm-hmm. and over again. Whereas these, I don't know, I don't know how my legs are going to be feeling at 7, 8, 9, 10K. Whereas with the Vaporfly, mm-hmm. I know my legs will be feeling pretty much exactly the same. So it's it's a tricky one. Um, I'm probably going to go with the Vaporfly to play it safe. But if yeah. anyone is listening and want a recommendation, the Takumi Sen 8, it's definitely faster than the Vaporfly. I just don't know how long Damn. it's faster for. So. Yeah, and you also, I mean, you can never know how your legs are going to react if you haven't run at them. That's also yeah. a gamble. I remember Spencer, the athlete special, was saying his feet were, or his legs, like his calves, specifically were hurting when he wore the vapor flies and when i wear them honestly my body reacts great to them like Thanks. it's it i don't get sore nearly as quickly as i would with other shoes so i mean each person's different so it sounds like it might be a safer bet to go with vapor fly but who knows i mean if you did go gamble a little bit with a faster shoe you could you can wear like 20 28 59 it's like made the right decision but you know what's bad and that we're talking about the shoes actually influencing the performance because i'm sad that that's my concern now because five years ago i'd be like oh i'll throw whatever see what happens yeah whereas now i'm like oh if i don't wear the vapor flies will i run slower that's bad even if it's just in my head it's it's kind of bad that we're at that place Um, interesting mental space yeah i i haven't been a competitive racer for a few years not that i ever really was but i've i've literally never all of my personal bests are not in super shoes so i am convinced with three four months of training i would smash some of my previous bests because they go back to all the way when i was like 19 you know not that i'm like in shape right now i'm in dad shape man i'm in like being sleep deprived and not running nearly as much as i used to and i wouldn't change a thing and if you want to see sweet cute baby pictures just go to instagram i'll be posting them sometimes in fact i mean I, I, I got to share this one. This one's just so fresh. My, my mom sent this to me. I was uh, just holding him the other day, and it's, it's – where is it? Here it is. Look at this guy. Like, what a handsome little man. Gosh, he's so chunky. Look at him. Just sleeping. Anyways, he's asleep right now. That's the problem. So Babies are great, but the hard work. It's, it's one of them. It's a trade-off, isn't it? Yeah, not that I was doing too much outside of my uh, my channel and you know a few things with the family. Anyway, so it was it was it was great timing. 
I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything more. And my heart is literally overflowing every single day with like so much happiness that I could cry. It's incredible. When you have a baby one day, you'll understand, but I didn't, I couldn't understand until I had one. So it's, it's just a complete revolution of like your soul. And in a way it makes you want to like work harder and better so that you can ensure he's going to be okay. But then again, it's like, sometimes I don't have the time to make as quality content quickly. I can still make it. Um, but time is always an issue, but, but yeah, yeah, no, that's all, all, all this stuff is so pertinent to where my mind is every single day. It's like, I just purged out a bunch of information and the goal ultimately is to grow the sport. And I, I, we've talked about this a few times on Instagram, by the way, it's great to get to talk to you. I haven't even said that yet. Oh yeah. We've been overdue for a while, I think. Yeah. But I want to keep bouncing off ideas moving forward and whoever's listening at home, feel free to DM me ideas because I have gotten some really good, just video ideas from, from random emails, random Instagram messages. And when it happens, it's like, Oh, that's cool. I don't have to dig into the well of, you know, endless races and historical documentation to make a video. That's why I want people to get involved. People from all over the world. That would just be so great. It's just raw footage, no copyright issues. They can get some benefits. The world can get some benefits for real. I mean, heck, you got any races in Great Britain? You have the ultimate right. Send it my way. We'll talk business. <laughs> it's like I have a really cool like platform with a lot of subs that want to see it. And it's going to get more, more uh, views than a channel with, you know, 2,000 subs. I, obviously, it benefits me. I'm not going to like act like it doesn't, but it literally could benefit everyone. And I wanted to – one last thought um, – Last year, we had a bunch of like uh, live events uh, through Sidious Mag, through Tracklandia. Those guys are awesome. They're very cool. Um, and I wanted to work with them and figure something out because their channels have like far fewer subs than me. Imagine if we had the platform like through Total Running Productions to put those live events on, we would get a lot more views. We just would. We just would. Um, that being said, it's their stuff, and I'm really happy for them, and I want them to keep doing what they're doing. They're, Sidious Mag just does such a good job. Chris Chavez might be the, the nicest, holistic, appreciated person in the sport. Like he's, he's, he's coverage, coverage is second to none. It's really specific to what's happening, and he clearly appreciates running. Um, but if there could be like – I don't want to monopolize. Screw that. That's not what this is about. This is about like getting the exposure out there and helping everyone grow – and um, the competition is healthy, but, um, you know, why not like really reach a huge audience? And then all of that exposure can be dispersed from that point. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but there's a lot of work to be done. And, uh, you know, you, you've done a good job on Instagram, um, getting, getting attention on like unique athletes and unique perspectives. Um, and this is, is going to be a big year. I, I feel really excited. Well, 2022 is going to be a big year. And I'm really excited about um, the world championships. That's going to be really unique. And I expect yeah. to see you there competing in the 10K. <laughs> yes. Definitely not the 10K. Definitely not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going near a track 10K ever again after what happened this year. I hate them. You mean not you don't run, like running 25 laps around the track? No. Believe it or not, no, I don't. It's disgusting. Jeez. It's, yeah, the worst thing possible. But, yeah, I, I agree. Like, collaborating, like, with Sitius, um, I was thinking about this, like if that went on your channel, 
let's say it performed worse than your generic video because it's different, if it was a live stream, it's still going to get hundreds or if not tens of tens of thousands of views, which is a lot of people. If, if that's someone who's actually watching something for the first time, that's, that's a lot. And I think that's the, one of the beauty with, with what Instagram has now, where you can post a collaboration post. I think we yeah, did Yeah, I love that. So like, love that. I could do it with an athlete and that post could get like thousands of likes. That's more likes than the athletes ever got before. And it's, everyone can yeah. see that it's with that athlete. And I just think that's great. So yeah, I think definitely if they can maybe do something like that, that'd be great as well. Like a co-live stream, co-video, stuff like that. Cool. I'll, I'll send a, uh, an, 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 that idea to whoever's on top of YouTube. Yeah. Creator Studio. Yeah. The, the news in Creator Studio this week is you can collaborate with whoever as long as you tag them and YouTube goes up in the flames. That'd be cool. Yeah. If only. If only. But yeah, thank you for coming on. I think I could talk to you for hours and hours about everything. And the reason, one of the reasons I'm stopping it here is because I'm conscious about uploading this as a podcast because I think when you get a certain threshold, it, um, it's too big of a file. So hopefully that's gotcha. fine. <laughs> no, um, no, no, we're good. Yeah, yeah. I should probably do something else as well for now. But we'll, this might motivate me to get my podcast going as well and just talk to people. So, I mean, if you, if you can get like your MP3 file or whatever you have and like maybe email it to me, I might post it on mine as well just to make it a Spotify collab or whatever platform you post it on. But um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it was, it was nice talking to you. Um, uh, I look forward to the future and keep doing your thing and we'll, we'll talk soon again. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been very interesting and I hope everyone listening as well found, didn't find it boring that us two are just geeking out on a podcast. Um, and hopefully you found something useful out of it. And as always, thank you for watching. And if you want to leave a rating in Apple podcasts, that'll really help us out as well. So yeah, thank you and goodbye.